Today's lesson is written in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon, and about three in the afternoon did the same thing. About five in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Who likes a good story? Show hands. Yeah. I mean, stories invite us into another world. They invite us to use our imagination. They invite us to investigate and to enter into the imagination of the writer or the storyteller. I loved story time as uh, a kid. My dad would often read to me at night. And as I grew, the, what we would read from changed. Sometimes it was Dr. Seuss or P Peter Rabbit or Briar Rabbit. Uh, sometimes it was stories from the Bible. Sometimes, though, it was other things that I requested like Grimm's Fairy Tales. Anybody Grimm's Fairy Tales fans? You like that? Anybody know what Grimm's Fairy Tales are? Okay. And those of you who are like, I'm not sure I know that or not, who knows Cinderella? Snow White. Yeah, thank you Disney, right? Because Disney kind of, they, they, they made these uh, traditional stories that have been there for a long time they kind of got ownership of them uh, over these public domain things, but they, they, uh, they put those out as stories and as cartoons and as movies and um, made a good profit from it at the same time. <laughs> but there's stories in there like Rapunzel and, and Little Red Riding Hood 
these stories that had heroes and villains and strange beasts. If you take a step back from these stories and look at them, they're really bizarre stories, kind of dark and demented and, and gruesome at times. And this pass, passes for children's literature. I loved it! The kids here at Little Blessings have story time as well. And sometimes there'll be special guests that will read the story to them. A surprise guest. The parent of one of the kids or a grandparent will come in and bring a book and then the kids will gather around excitedly and the, the little one who, whose parent or grandparent it is is just beaming because their family member is there reading the story. Our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, was a master storyteller. He was a, a prolific storyteller. He would tell stories all the time. You know, that reminds me of a story, he'd say. Sometimes he would use it to illustrate a point or to disarm an opponent. A senator from New York recalls one time when Lincoln said to him, They say I tell a great many stories. I reckon I do. But I have found that in the course of long experience, the common people, take them as they run, are more easily informed through a median of broad illustration than in any other way. And as to those hypercritical few, well, I don't care. <laughs> One of Lincoln's most memorable stories has to do with a preacher, a sermon, and a lizard. Intrigued? That's the power of story. I'm not going to tell yet. But you want to know, right? See me afterwards. I might share it with you. But stories intrigue us. They invite us in. They entertain us. Maybe they make us laugh. They make us cry. But they stick better than other forms and other mediums. Perhaps that's why Jesus, the greatest storyteller perhaps of them all, used an employed story to talk about the things of God. He used something called parables, these short stories used to illustrate a point, to give an example to highlight something about God or a spiritual point that he wanted to make or about how we are to be with one another and conduct ourselves. And so in this, this series called Let Me Tell You a Story, we're going to hear a story each week from Jesus, one of his parables. Today we hear the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Jesus begins this parable by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And so we know this is, this is a comparison. This is going to help illustrate something about God's kingdom, God's work in the world, what God is up to. 
He says God's kingdom is like a landowner who invited workers to go and to work in his vineyard. He went down to the marketplace early in the morning and he saw workers there and he invited them to go and to work in his vineyard and he agreed to pay them a denarius which was understood as the appropriate day's wage. So they went and they began working in his vineyard. Again he goes nine o'clock in the morning and then again at 12 in the in, in noon and he again, he hires these workers and he says, go and work in my vineyard. I will pay you whatever is appropriate, whatever is right. So they would have thought, okay, well, denarius is a day's wage. I'll get whatever my portion is of that for the amount of work that I did today. Again, he goes out at three in the afternoon. And then finally again at five in the afternoon, almost the end of the day. And he's still sending workers into his field. I will pay you whatever is right. At the end of the day, when their work is done, he asks his foreman to pay the workers, beginning with those who were hired last and going to those who were hired first. And when those hired last come up and receive their pay, the foreman gives them a denarius, a full day's wage for just an hour of work. Those who were hired early in the day are impressed and they're ecstatic because they're thinking, if these who have just worked a little bit got a whole day's wage, how much will we get? Their imaginations begin to run. But then those hired at three and those at noon and those at nine and finally those at the beginning of the day each come forward and they receive a denarius. Those who were hired first are indignant. And they say, how can those who were hired last in the day, who have just worked a little bit, receive the same as us, those of us who have borne the heat of the day? The landowner says, I am not doing you any wrong, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I have chosen to pay those who were hired last the same as you. Or am I not free to do what I will with what is mine? Or are you jealous, envious, because I am generous? Jesus concludes this parable by saying, The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. A traditional interpretation of this story is that it is an allegory where the landowner represents God. In the context of the first century, as the, as the Christian church is beginning, and so there are people from the, from the Jewish heritage who were steeped in that, that were, part, that were the first members of that early church, that early community, that those who were hired early in the day, that's who they are, and that those who were hired later in the day represent those who came to faith later along the way, and the Gentiles, the non-Jews who were not familiar with the scriptures, and who have come to faith 
later in life, later in tradition. And they began to come together and form these communities of faith where they had to interact with one another and, and share with one another and support each other and bless one another. And so envy and jealousness could not prevail. That's one interpretation. But let's take a look at its placement within the Gospel of Matthew and see if we might ascertain more. The last several chapters of Matthew, we see Jesus moving towards Jerusalem and moving towards the cross. At the end of chapter 16, he predicts for his first time that he's going to be handed over and tried and suffer and be crucified and then on the third day rise. Again, he predicts this is going to happen uh, in chapter 17, the second passion prediction. Then he has an encounter with a rich man. The rich man, the wealthy man, comes up to him and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, as a, a Jewish rabbi would, says, well, you know the, the laws, you know the commandments. You do, do those, follow those, and, and you will have life. The man says, I have kept all those. Jesus, knowing his heart, says, well, you lack one thing. Go and sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor, and then come and follow me. The man goes away sad. The disciples are distraught by this. They're like, well, if, if, if that's what it takes, who, who can enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, well, what is Impossible for man is possible with God. Peter then speaks up. He says, Lord, look at us. We have left everything to follow you. What will there be for us? And then Jesus gives this promise. Truly I tell you, those who have left Mother or father, sister or brother, husband or wife, house, home, jobs, whatever it is, those who have left their lives will have their reward. Those of you who are last, you will be first. There is a comfort, there is a promise that is there for these disciples who have given up everything to go and to follow Jesus. Then Jesus tells this story of the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Where again, he says, ends it, concludes it with, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. There is, in our thinking, we, we desire, we desire a, a fairness. We desire our share. We want, we want what is right. We want what we deserve. But Jesus in this parable seems to be saying there's something else going on here. Kingdom of heaven is, is different than that. You need to change your thinking. Again, right after this, he for the third time says the Son of Man will be handed over into the hands of men and he will suffer and die and be raised again. 
these stories and these, this happening as Jesus talks about the last first and the first last is peppered with these stories of what Jesus is up to. That he is on this path of the cross uh, going up to Jerusalem where he will suffer and die. But they don't quite get it. In that text, in that passage where Peter asks what's in it for us, there is a promise that those 12 disciples will each sit on their own throne and judge the tribes of Israel when Jesus comes into his glory and sits upon his throne. They have these imaginations of a court, a royal court, and of, of ruling and of power. But again, remember where Jesus is headed. James and John, two of the inner circle disciples, the inner circle of the inner circle, come with their mom in order to make a request of Jesus. The mom has to speak up for them. Boys, you won't do it? Yeah, I'm going to get up there for you. And she says, Jesus, she, she was there following along with them as well. A lot of women were as well as the disciples. Mother of James and John was right there, so she knew. She had heard these things. She had probably heard about Jesus saying, you'll all sit in, on thrones and rule with me when I come into my kingdom. And she said, Jesus, please allow for it to be that my sons will sit at your, one at your left, one at your right, when you come into your kingdom. Imagine Jesus, maybe a little shocked, but more so looking at them with pity. As he says, you don't know what you're asking. You able to drink from the cup from which I drink? You able to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? We are, they said. You will drink from my cup. They didn't know it was the cup of suffering. You will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, dying. But for those to be at my left and right when I'm in my glory, that's not for me to decide, but for those for whom it's been appointed. Read here, when I'm upon my cross, those who are at my left and right those are the ones who will be at that place where I am in my glory. Then he pulls the disciples together. And he says, if any one of you want to be first and foremost, they must become your slave. And whoever wants to be great among you must become your servant. For the last shall be first and the first shall be last. This parable is set right in the middle of all of these stories, of these happenings, of these predictions of where Jesus is going, of his suffering and death, of his call to live a different life, to walk in a different way, to think in a different mindset, to not be thinking in, in ways that need what is deserved, what is 
what is thought to be right, what I have earned, not to be thinking in that way, but to be thinking in a way that gives of oneself fully, that chooses to be last and servant of all. There is both promise and a caution given to the disciples through this parable. And through this story and through those stories around it that are recorded here in the Gospel of Matthew, this promise and this caution is given to Christians in the early church. That the kingdom of heaven does not operate on a system of merit. One commentator on this uh, passage that I read said this. He, Jesus, is vividly describing two contrasting patterns of human conduct. One of a contractual relationships where everything is precisely weighed, recorded, calculated, balanced. The parable contrasts such civilized calculations with the shocking and undeserved generosity, with an unbounded and energetic goodness that simply reaches out in blessing. Jesus seems to be saying the kingdom of heaven operates on the ladder, a mode that values humility warns against envy and reveals the incredible generosity and goodness of God. Stories, parables are impactful because we hear them in different ways. Depending upon where we are in our life, Communities of people can hear them differently from one another depending upon what they're dealing with. How do you hear this parable this morning? Does it comfort you? Does it promise those of you who may be feeling like ah, things just are not going well for me? Does it promise you comfort? hope? Does it warn you? Thinking, I, I've been operating that way. I, I've been thinking that way about what is deserved, what, what is right, what is merited. I've not been reflecting upon the good goodness and graciousness of God. Maybe it does a little bit of both, of promise and warning. I know it does me. How does merit-based thinking pull you away from the overflowing, boundless, surprising, and surpassing grace of God? How does it shut your eyes and blind you to that which God so wants to pour out into your lives and through you into the world? Tell us a story, Jesus. Tell us a story of the character of God. Tell us a story that 
that lifts us up out of ourselves, out of our modes of thinking, out of our, our merit-deserving approach to life and shows us a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Tell us a story, Jesus, about your incredible love for us. You who were first, who became last. You who were great. You who sat at the right hand of God, lowered yourself and became servant of all and took the way of the cross for our sake. Who gave your life for us so that we might live so that we might truly know what life is. And who rose again. That that life might be abundant in us. Tell us that story, Jesus. And tell it to us again. Until our hearts are softened. And our lives are changed. And we see the kingdom of heaven at work all around us and in us and through us. Tell us that story. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for sharing your teachings with us through story. Thank you for this parable, the parable of the workers in the vineyard that tells us how the last shall be first and the first last. That reminds us that envy is not a part of the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for showing us a way that, that shows us love and humility and Thank you for, for going that path to the cross for our sake. For showing us what God's love truly is. Lord, soften our hearts. Open our minds. Teach us. So that we might get a glimpse of your kingdom and that we might too walk in your way. We pray in your name. Amen.